Welcome to the MLS Net Boys Podcast, episode 15. This is your hosts, Chase and Jacob. This is Jacob speaking. What's going on, Chase? I, I'm i doing well. I'm a little distraught after the Timbers performance last night. I wonder what happened. I don't know. We'll get into that later, but I'm doing well. We've been sitting here for the past hour and a half just talking about the most ridiculous things and not anything to do with MLS for the most part. We we got some big work to do after we we take an annual trip up to Seattle, take a couple cars full of guys, cheer on the boys in green and gold in Seattle. We go up there, we get rowdy, we sit almost in like the highest nosebleeds possible, and then we make the trip on home. I don't think. Out of all the years I've been there, I don't think the Timbers have lost yet. I've been about three or four years in a row now. Yeah, and it's crazy. I've been going, next year will be a decade since, I wow. think almost, or maybe the year after. The only year we skipped was 2020, but yeah, 2016 was the last time I went to a Timbers loss in Seattle. So, hopefully. That's a long run, but you know, it's even longer than that. Is our our buddy Matt's record at the halftime <laughs> show or whatever it is? Everybody, if you've been to a Seattle Sounders game, if you pay any attention at halftime to the any of the screens around the stadium, you see the famous Seattle Space Needle race game. And pretty much how this works is there's like these three elevators that it's on like this animation of the Space Needle, and they all go up, and it's like gold, blue, and red or something like that. And you, like, pick a color you think is going to win, and it's crazy. There's, like, one color that's literally never, never, um, like, won a game. And so I think this last year, our friend Matt, he's, like, 8 for 8 at this point. He picks the team that has never won the thing, and they do the space needle race thing. And, like, a different color actually wins. We're like, oh, Matt, you lost. And then I've never seen this before. They called a VAR check on the game, <laughs> and then they brought it back, and they showed a clip that, like, the gold one actually won. So, like, he brought it back. And if you guys knew our friend Matt, he just turns to me with this sly dog smile on his face and just, like, gives me this stupid smirk, looks right, looks at me right in the face, and then... Dude, he, what a, what a storyline. He's only gone and done it nine years in a row. Man's, man's going for the ten years... He's out here winning the title like he's Celtic. <laughs> that's another that's another deep pull for our friend and group. Hey, respect to Seattle real quick. I'll say we go to a Timbers game, and if you want food and a beverage, it's going to cost you like $50 or something to eat if you want any decent food. But at Seattle, you can get like two hot dogs, a popcorn, and like a couple drinks for like 12 bucks. Dude, I was talking about that when I was in St. Louis, actually, because St. Louis has really good food in their stadium but yeah I, I don't know also really weird random thing I noticed when I was in St. Louis you know how we always complain we go to Seattle when you see the Timbers crest on any state like any like TV in the stadium it doesn't have the star above it for our championship yeah they did the same thing in St. Louis they didn't put the star above the crest which is weird because like if they don't do it for either like I don't have a problem with that but it's like Seattle makes a point to not do it which doesn't make sense cuz they've won two compared to our one so it's like that's just an extra level of pettiness. I think I just it it makes sense like you're you're at a different team stadium so you shouldn't like see that star but I think I'm just shocked cuz I always see other teams at like the Timbers you'll always see their star above their crest. So I don't know it's kind of interesting. We're just too classy of an organization to Take shots in that way. I don't know if I would call us classy in any way. You're right. But let's move on. Let's let's dive into the games this week. A lot of midweek games that, honestly, if we were to go over every single game, it'd be a little bit too long. So I'm going to let Jacob kind of blow through these, these Wednesday games. That's right. We're just going to go through some scores. Anybody who missed the week, the midweek results, Atlanta won 4-0 First Colorado, Charlotte beat Chicago Fire 2-1. Cincinnati won 3-0 against Montreal. Columbus 2-0 over LA Galaxy. Orlando City, New York City FC 1-1. Toronto, New York Red Bulls 0-0. Philly and DC United 0-0. Dallas beat Vancouver 2-1. Minnesota won 1-0 over Houston Dynamo. 
Nashville, 2-1 winners over Miami. Rail Salt Lake and Portland Timbers, 0-0 draw. LAFC, Sporting Kansas City, 1-1 draw. And then Seattle loses 2-1 versus Austin at home. Seattle down in the dumps right now, man. Poor run of form for Seattle, and it continues this week as we'll get to. But first, first game of the weekend, rivalry match, Charlotte hosting Nashville. This was one of our prediction games. I went for a a 1-0 Nashville win. Chase went for a 2-1 win. I got the result right, so I got a point. And Nashville wins 2-1 versus Charlotte on the road. Haney Mukhtar, two goals. That was rough. That was the one game where we like differed on like the result prediction, and I was really banking on Justin Miram showing up, and instead I got freaking Brant Bronico just trucking through the what defense. What a goal. <laughs> dude, dude had three defenders on him, and he still managed to get in and score. Brant Bronico is the epitome of like, kind of reminds me of old school MLS. He's got a weird like <laughs> alliteration name, and just like this guy has put like, Fullback, like in the center midfield, like can play in the attack. Comes out of college and he just like sauce these random teams. Like, you'll get like these high level defenders or like. Dude's got the 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 name to be an NFL like offensive lineman coach. (laughs) Brant Bronico, yeah, Uh, yeah. Seems like he's doing good in Charlotte. Good for him. Another rivalry game, the Ohio Classico. It's it not the, called that at all, actually. The, but Cincinnati hosts Columbus, and Cincinnati wins three to two. Ah, my poor Columbus, my poor poor Columbus. A little interesting. Um, they weren't really playing Cucho up top, like straight down the middle. He was kind of drifting out wide and letting Zalaran take that center spot. So, not exactly what I think most people would expect from Cucho in this this Columbus team, but. I don't know. Wilfred Nancy, I, I kind of trust him in the way that he sets his team up, so I'm definitely just going to emulate this on our FM save once we get back to it. <laughs> it's interesting because this was a back-and-forth game. Since he goes up 2-0, like 25 minutes in, Columbus fights back and makes it 2-2 in the second half, and then they just blow it with a, just a terrible mistake in the back, and then since he goes up, and then since he gets the result, Cincinnati is one... They've played eight games at home. They've won all eight. They're perfect at home this year so far. Making that place a fortress. TQL Stadium. Honestly, one of the best stadiums in MLS, I think. And, yeah, finally nice to have, like, those home fans be rewarded because they've been solid crowds since they've been in the league, but results haven't come by. Next up, going to D.C., where DC United beat the LA Galaxy 3-0. I think Vanny's got to be out at some just manhandled. I don't know if LA Galaxy's going to let him go because of that five-year plan that they they sold on, you know, or they that he sold them on, I guess. It's tough because we've seen this thing happen where, like, I don't know, I feel like in MLS, like, coaches are, like, held on a little too long, whereas I would say in, like, the Premier League, it's like they're really quick to fire coaches. But we've seen teams where it's like they have a terrible season or like terrible round of form and then they come come into form and they turn things around really quickly and get into the playoffs and do some damage however let's not take away from dc united they won three zero three goals in nine minutes also benteke with another goal he's been really good this season rooney's been quietly pretty solid yeah, he he came out. I don't know if you saw like after their midweek game when they I think they tied nil nil, correct? Um, yeah, he came out and he was pretty open. He said it wasn't good enough. They deserved more. They needed three points from that. And then obviously his team responded well here, getting pulling out a big result. Benteke has just been immense for them this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, for the Galaxy, I mean. This is they're probably the worst team in the league right now since Kansas City's kind of before this Saturday game seem to have found some form. However, they're definitely the worst on form. I would say I would still say Kansas City overall is probably the worst. You think so? I I, I, if you're looking at it on paper, I would say one of the worst teams. Yeah, I'd say Galaxy are better on paper. However, I feel like their players aren't showing up like. Ricky Pooj has been good, but he can't just 
will this team by himself. He hasn't looked as good as last year, in my opinion. Chicharito's been like a step behind compared to his more productive years. Yavalich, every time I feel like I see him come in, he gets a goal, but he just doesn't get the minutes he should or isn't able to make a difference. We're going to move on, though, to an, a Florida matchup here. Enter Miami hosting Orlando City, and Orlando wins 3-1 to one on the road. Big result for them because Orlando had been on a terrible stretch of form, and Miami had won, gotten like three impressive wins over some three big clubs. So huge, huge result. And Kara scores, I think, for like the fourth game in a row. It's like, yeah, four goals in four games for him. But more important question, what is the name of this rivalry? I don't know if it has a true name yet. I, I'm kind of glad because I'd rather the fans actually like come up with something than they just have like some stupid label thrown on them and like yeah. they kind of are forced to go with it. Very unrelated point, but it I, it caught my eye on Twitter. So I saw this thing. It was like Atlanta, um, Charlotte, and Nashville are having this rivalry thing between them. Makes sense. They're all in the south, right? In Georgia. um Carolina and then Tennessee. So kind of in the same region, you know, we've got the Cascadia cup in the Cascadia region, Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, uh, California's got their thing. Texas has their thing, but, and they do this thing. I thought it was kind of cool. They have like this, like WWE style, like belt. That's like all the fans like have some like input on or something like that. And it's like got this cool designs on it. But then also DC United is in this little rivalry thing too. <laughs> and yeah, I saw even DC United fans were like, why are we a part of this? Like who, who invited us to this? Like what? this doesn't make any sense. That's that's so random. I feel like DC, if you were to truly give them like a like a rivalry game, it should be like some of those like Red Northeastern. Bulls. Yeah, like Red Bulls, like especially for the history between those two teams, like how long they've been in the league. But yeah, I know a lot of DC, like a lot of Red Bulls fans say like they hate DC almost more than they hate New York City FC because they've been at it for so long. Yeah. And I don't know. Interesting thing I saw on Twitter this week. That's weird. Uh, New York Red Bulls 2-1 over Montreal. Another good result for a team that wasn't doing so hot. New York still riding that new coaching wave. Troy Lassane. That's the first goal he's conceded as a head coach. I think it's been his this is fourth game now. Pretty crazy. If you, if you include US Open Cup and then midweek games. So yeah. Corey Burke gets a goal for the Red Bulls coming from Philly last season. Um Montreal loses, but they were actually on a good run of form. That's why I said uh kind of interesting result you see here. Um Montreal's been looking really good and Chase. Definitely looking a lot better since they got rid of that Schmo Kamal Miller. <laughs> and we'll get into it more, but I saw Bryce Duke making a clean $150,000 a year. What a what a bargain that is. That is a great deal for them. I, I wonder how that worked when they made the trade. Did, did they just assume the contract that Inter-Miami already had, or did they have to renegotiate with him? I think the contract stays. So they just assume that contract. That's what I've seen, like, if, like, I think there's been some rare instances where an MLS team trades for another team's DP and you just, uh, you have to have like inherit that contract, which is yeah. really interesting to think about, but Philadelphia beating new England three zero at home, Gazdag brace and Carranza goal. Another disappointing loss on the road for new England revolution. What's going on? Bringing them back to earth, man. Just reminding them, that Philadelphia is one of the big dogs in the league, and you can't just count them out because they've had a little bit of a rough form at the beginning of the season. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just rough game all around for New England. Not even a shot on target across the 90 minutes. They had a little bit more possession, but not, like, a significant amount. I mean, they managed more passes and everything. But this is that's just what Philadelphia does to you. Even if you have the ball more than them, they're still so dangerous when they get it. Yeah, and it seems like Philly's finally waking up. You know, they haven't been the best this season. Four losses on the year and that just disappointing CCL run. Uh, New England will go down to third place, so still pretty high for them. And then Philly goes up to fifth place after that result. Um, yeah, I don't, maybe coming back to reality a bit for the Revs, I think that was, you know, they had that crazy good year in 2021, terrible season last year maybe kind of leveling off a little bit into a more like 
you know, they're a good team, but maybe not like the best sort of team in the East. But we'll remain seeing on that. Next up, Austin <laughs> beats Toronto FC 1-0. Zardes with the goal of the season in stoppage time. Did you it. did you watch this goal? I mean, we were talking about it during the Timbers game, but did I, you watch it? I watched it later that night, and Chase said it just sums up Toronto FC's season. So we want to run through that. What just happened? Absolute shambles in front of the goal. It's just a just a cluster truck of people there. Just you get like a whole bunch of guys in front of the the net. Essentially, the ball gets kind of popped up, and one Austin player falls down in front of Sean Johnson, and he. As he goes out to claim it, like looks at the guy and then yells at his teammates and like points at the Austin player on the ground. Everybody on Toronto is just standing around expecting Sean Johnson to claim this as he normally does. For whatever reason, he retreats to his line. It's coming out of the air. It seems like it's an eternity that it's just coming down. And an Austin player, I don't know who exactly did it, but like not even facing the goal. He's just standing, not facing the goal for the longest time, heads it backwards off the post. Sean Johnson jumps dives doesn't get it lands on the ground bounces off the post right to Jossie Zardes everybody on Toronto is just standing around watching and he just heads it into the net and just absolute just mayhem and chaos from Toronto defensively pretty consistent with my experience with them in FM like <laughs> I don't know what these defenders do but like every time you're watching my we'll like share <laughs> each other's screen so we can see the other person's game Every time I can see the goal, it's just something stupid like that. Just an absolute, like, just what is your defense doing? They're just standing, watching the guy just do a weird header backwards into the post. and Yeah, and Toronto, last place in the East, and they have three of the most expensive players by position in the league, which is interesting. This is the team I would argue is worst in the league, actually. More so than LA Galaxy or Sporting Kansas City. I can see that, and... The thing is, they're only six points since it's not super late in the season. Six points out of a playoff spot, technically. If they, if six they, points out of 18th place in the league. Yeah. Well, you got to work with what you got, right? And that's MLS's system. But do you think maybe we ride? They ride with uh, Coach Bradley for a bit, or do you think it's time to can him? I think they've committed too hard to Bradley to can him right now. Trust I think the if, process. If they were to, right now is the time to do it before you get into the summer with, with this League's Cup kind of break because um, you could let a new coach come in, make some transfers possibly, kind of regroup. But I think they've committed way too hard to Bradley. They've, they've kind of given him, like, full control on these signings. Um, and, you know, they built a squad for him that on paper is a good squad. He just can't get it to work. So Yeah, and that's... Kind of why we like MLS is, you know, you see this crazy parody because Toronto FCs, that's a big club uh, in MLS. But at the same time, there's no reason, like, why they shouldn't be at least competing, like, mid-table in the East. But bottom of the pack is just terrible. I, I could see them shifting them on if the pressure from the fans becomes too much. Because it is, the fans are starting to get a little bit in that LA Galaxy territory where they're starting to, you know, boycott the players. They're throwing megaphones at... Getting in fist fights. <laughs> yeah, they're getting in fist fights with Montreal fans. and Just absolute chaos in Toronto right now. And, you know, it's, it's so weird because as a fan of the Timbers, there's been a lot of times where I've, I've been really upset with how we performed and we missed playoffs. And I've been really, like, just really pissed off in general. But then there's been like times where the next season we make it to MLS cup final. And that's just the nature of the league. You'll have a bad season and then you regroup, you get a longer off season. Guys get to go on vacation. They come back, they're re-energized and they dominate the next year. Yeah. I think that's spot on, but yeah, big decisions to make in Toronto. Next up, we're going to do, this is a crazy game. Chicago fire hosting Atlanta United. A 3-3 draw. We had two red cards, a lot of lead changes, but pretty much Atlanta was up and Chicago tied it in the 89th minute. Yakumakis, their striker, two goals again. He's had a great start of the season. Um, but I want to focus on Luis Araujo. And he just was transferred out, actually, to Flamengo in Brazil. Did it become official? I knew it was rumored, but I didn't know it was official yet. Became official. He'll stay till the end of June. Mm. Um, but it's funny. We were just talking about how he's been disappointing. And then, like, 
usually it's like one of the quickest transfers I've ever seen. It was rumored, and then literally the next day it was like official. Like usually that takes like weeks and stuff. Whenever I see like a Timbers rumor, but did it? Honestly, I mean, good on them for just moving them on. They, I think they lost a little bit of money, but they kind of broke even here, and. Good for them, like, just shifting the guy on, like, realizing it's not working. They're not going to, like, sell themselves to this guy and just keep him around, hoping that it'll click. Um, smart business from Atlanta. Just get the guy out of there. Get yourself $10 million for the summer to, to play with. Yeah, disappointing uh, to give up that late equalizer, especially since they were up a man for most of the match. But point on the road for Atlanta, they're in fourth place, actually. I, when I think about them, they've been kind of disappointed. I was kind of expecting them to be hovering around the playoff line, but they started the season so hot, though they had the that couple games there where they were just blowing teams out. Yeah, it was like vintage Orlando. So uh, next up, Dallas hosting Houston, Texas rivalry match, one-one draw. Yeah, what do you? I didn't watch any of this game, if I'm being completely honest. Let's FC Dallas, on. like as much as I like their organization, just I have not watched really much of their <laughs> games at all this year, dude. Yeah, it's you know I, they just they just pick up points. What else can you say about Dallas? Like they just grind out results. I mean, you should be able, you should want to win at home, and I'm sure they did. I I did see midweek Jesus Ferreira scored a goal, and that put him third all time for FC Dallas goal scorers. I think he's just behind Kenny Cooper. Kenny Cooper's second right now. Kenny Cooper, legend of the MLS Netboys podcast. He just passed the legend, Blas Perez. I was trying to think of that guy's name, the dude who would just do the bowl celebration. Do the bowl man. celebration. <laughs> they need to bring that guy back in some sort of capacity, whether it's like a youth coach or just a mascot or some mascot. Like just some dude. <laughs> Um, that's our mascot what are you talking about well ours is a lumberjack not just you think he's just gonna walk out there in like shorts and a kit or something and just do the bullhorn in front of the the dallas supporters Uh, they'll give him like a megaphone with some bullhorns on it something you know he doesn't even speak english (laughs) i don't know maybe there's a bunch of people fc dallas games that don't speak english they could appeal to the fan base maybe yeah um you know I was just going to talk about how Kenny Cooper, man, we, we need to do some more in-depth stuff on him. That guy's a MLS freaking legend, dude. I'm really nostalgic about that. Kind of when both of those guys were playing, like Kenny Cooper, Blas Perez, like Yet Henri in the league. Like the league's a higher standard for sure, but there's something special about those years. Like I feel like the meme stuff that was on a different level. 2012 to 2015 era of, of MLS. Like right before the logo changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dude, that's that was a segment I was talking about. Do the before the logo change. Just talk about some of the iconic players and teams and moments from you know that big shift where MLS kind of seemed like they just started going into like a whole new like like stratosphere is like a league. Yeah, and I think you can kind of segment out some of the different eras. You had that that ni- initial boom from like 96 to like 2000 where it was like it exploded because we just had the World Cup. And then it really fizzled out and a lot of people thought the league was going to go under. Um, and then it was Beckham who brought like people yeah. back watching and he really saved the league in my opinion. And I think from like that Beckham starting year to maybe like 2010 or so when you started to add like these teams more differently then you have that era from like 2010 to like 15 like before the logo changed and since then it's just been crazy night and day what do you think will be the next big shift where we'll see like because that's like what that's about you said about three almost four different versions of mls so once you hit like mls like 5.0 like what's going to be the next big shift in mls yeah i don't know i it was funny. One of my most memorable moments was Atlanta United, actually, when they hosted MLS Cup. It was the biggest crowd ever at that point, like 74,000 people, packed house. Like, it was, like, truly different. And, like, their TIFO was, like, MLS 3.0. Like, it's here, like, pretty much. And, like, I thought that was pretty, like, fitting. I think with the World Cup coming about, I think with this Apple deal, I think you're going to start to pour, see a lot more money poured into these leagues. They're changing rules like a lot, honestly. Like they just got rid of the discovery right thing. I think they're gonna get a lot rid of a lot of those things. 
I think the salary cap can and should stay. I think they'll keep that, but I think they'll, you know, it would be interesting if they just kind of maybe made like a way higher salary cap, but just scrapped the DP rules and just said, you spend this however you want. That way you could spread the wealth so that the average payer is a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of stuff about the wage structure in MLS is good. Like we were just looking over the the salary guide recently and the fact that there's a, you know, like a minimum salary for a lot of these guys who are coming out of college that are starting their professional career at a way later age than guys across the world. I think that's a really positive thing, but I agree having a salary cap that gets increased and then get rid of all these weird DPs, TAM, GAM, just give them a budget of how much they're allowed to spend on player salaries and just say, go crazy. Like, give him, I don't know, I, I would say the average MLS team doesn't spend more than $20 million on salary right now a year. So if you put it at like $20, 25000000 million, you just say, hey, go crazy, bring in whoever you want as long as you don't exceed this, and that's it. Yeah, I think that would give you the best of both worlds. You know, you keep that parity intact in some degree which I think is crucial. That's one of the selling points for MLS is that, you know, it's uniquely like set up compared to these other leagues. You don't have just one or two teams running away away with the league. Um, I hope they never scrap the playoff idea. Honestly, that's one of the things that makes it unique. People disagree. People, people like it. Some people don't pro rel is always the talk. I don't see it feasible, although it would be kind of interesting We'll have to see. You know what I'd love to see for them to implement implement Pro Rel is right now they they're at they're going to be at thirty teams soon. If they keep going up till they get to forty teams and then they just decide, all right, we're going to do Pro Rel next season. Starting right now, bottom twenty teams, you're going to be in the second division next year, or like bottom ten teams of each conference, because that would make for one intense season. If they did that, like, what well, we're on season twenty eight, twenty nine of the league right now. If they did that for like a big like season 30, season 35, season 40 or whatever of MLS. So it was like this huge, really important season. And after that, they had MLS 1, MLS 2. And there wasn't anything below that. And you could just have teams kind of switch in and out. I think that'd be really interesting. Even if you did three for the West, three for the East. I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah. I If it ever does happen, I think it would be like that. You know, just MLS 1 and 2. And I think it would be a hard selling point for a lot of these owners and they'd have to get them all on board. I think the direction that's more likely is splitting, if they go to like 32, say, you could split to four set divisions. And there's lots of easy ways where you can map it out where it's like, okay, you've got a Pacific division, maybe like a Northeast, a Southern, and then a Midwest. You could have eight teams in each one, play every team in your conference twice or three times, and then play every team from the other conference once, and that would end up to about an even 34 games. And that's like on par with most leagues in the world. And everybody would get to play every team. I think that's pretty ridiculous now where you don't have teams playing each other in the season. That's all fine and dandy, but you know this league's way too greedy to stop at 32. They're just going to keep going. Same thing could happen with 40, though, if they do. I don't. Do you I, think they'll go to 40? I could see it just keep going. I mean, with how successful the new teams are right now, like all the new expansion teams have been so successful and bring, when you look at like the weekly reports of like attendance numbers, it's always the, like the past like five expansion teams are at the top. Yeah. It's always, you're going to see Charlotte, you're going to see Atlanta, St. Louis, if they have a home game, Austin, any of those teams are always at the top and there's so much interest in them versus a lot of the old teams don't have nearly as much interest left in them. So I think you're going to see the league just get so greedy to keep growing and they aren't grow. I mean, they're, it's kind of like a not, it's like an artificial growth for them rather than just like having your set teams and just seeing like a natural incline of like people getting more and more interested in the league. It's like, they just get this huge like surplus or just like injection of fans every time they add a new team. I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I mean, that's how we I got in the league at least cuz Portland, you know, joined the league and I think there's a lot of markets that you know, have big soccer fan bases that like, you know, they're not really interested in it until like MLS comes to their city. Um what are your, I mean, Las Vegas has been rumored. 
Sacramento was awarded a team, but then it got like the owner backed out. Let's go with five teams in California. Yes, that'd be. I mean, I think they could suffice. I mean, we're like this is like the most unique sporting landscape in the world. Like we can definitely hold forty teams. Well, yeah. The, and the thing with California having so many teams, a lot of people are complaining about it. But when you look at the East Coast and where, how the teams are spread out, and then if you were just overlay California over it, you'd have four or five teams inside California over there. So kind of exactly. kind of silly for people to get upset about that. But still, I think it'd be nice to see more more teams kind of spread out with like a Las Vegas, Phoenix maybe. You know, Phoenix getting a team would be really exciting. Just kind of ex- exploring more states and giving more people something to to get involved in but that also goes back to what i was saying i think you're just going to see the league continue to do that because they're going to see more and more viewership and just surplus amount of people that get into the league and get super involved in mls and listen to podcasts and that would be nice actually yeah let's get 40 teams in the league that'd be (laughs) awesome and i think if there was a league to do like expand like that many teams it would be mls 100 percent They've shown, like, they do weird things, but, like, some of them work, some of them don't. But, like, this Apple TV deal, like, they're the first soccer league who's had, like, kind of like a partnership like this. VAR was, VAR was, like, tested in MLS first. They do the weird goalkeeper, like, interviews live in the game. Remember, like, weird stuff like that. You know, it's interesting, but... I, I like a lot of that. I just have a really hard time... Especially as somebody who really enjoys keeping up with the whole league, it's already so hard with how many teams we have. It's going to be impossible if you get up to 40 teams, which seems like it's going to be likely. Moving on to the Colorado Rapids hosting <laughs> Rail Salt Lake. Yeah, good and job on the, the tie there. Who, who, who are you even talking about? <laughs> Dallas, and Dallas and Houston. <laughs> yeah, nice 1-1 draw. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, another... Another prediction game for us. That was a crazy rant. Um, We both opted for Colorado winning. I said 1-0 Colorado, chased a 2-1. Neither happened. Rail Salt Lake scored three goals and won 3-2 on the road. They hadn't scored in like 300 minutes before this. Um, They had been having zeros on the board since then. Uh, Demir Krylock gets on the board. Big win for Salt Lake. We absolutely underestimated the Pablo Mastroianni just effect on this team, dude. Coming the, back to his old stomping grounds, too. Pablo Mastroianni, this Darby right here. Man had Zach McMath in goal, just got his team fired up to go up against his old team. And Zach McMath revenge game as well. Yeah, absolutely came out on top. So Remember he was at Colorado Rapids because Zach McMath, legend of the show but he had been a backup for his whole career um goes to colorado starts signing and then colorado decides they're gonna get tim howard as a designated player and he just goes straight to the bench (laughs) zach mcmath luck right there but another rivalry game st louis finds some form and went 4-0 against kansas city and slams the door on that great run of form kansas city had they had taken points (laughs) at lafc at Seattle, and then at home versus Minnesota, but then... And then just absolutely get destroyed against St. Louis. This is a big game for St. Louis, you know? They have been terrible, like, the last month, month and a half, almost. Big three points at home. When you think about how these two styles match up, though, it makes sense. Like, St. Louis just so intense with their press, and they're so high up the field, and... KC just wants to play out of the back. They want to possess the ball. And with how bad they've been this season, not going to work against a team like this that's just high-flying, intense, chaotic press. My favorite thing to do is just picture Ronaldo in some of these random <laughs> games for SKC. Do you think he would be more or less happy than he is in the Middle East right now? Because he seems pretty miserable over there right now. I I think by sheer... I don't know. It's tricky because you never know what his family's like. I feel like he would have adapted more to America because he lived in England. You know, there's the language is the same here. But I don't know. It's just funny to picture Ronaldo like playing in these random games. I feel like they wouldn't be doing as bad, honestly. I feel like he would have elevated them to some degree. They would be doing better. The only thing I would dislike about it is like, which is also a positive, is how much like how many eyes he would bring to the league. And then how bad like like SKC is. 
So a lot of people would tune in to watch MLS just to watch a Peter Vermees, like crappy SKT, SKC team. And they'd just be like, dude, MLS is so bad. They got this freaking Johnny Russell guy. Like, they would, which, No Johnny Russell slander on the Johnny pod. Russell is solid, but just, you know what I mean? Like a lot of like Euro snob people would just tune in to watch like Kyrie Shelton. Alan Polito just like miss a sitter and just <laughs> they would just watch Graham Zeus they would tune in to watch Graham Zeusy at right back whipping balls into Daniel Shalloway. Hey I will forever be indebted to Graham Zeusy whipping in that ball for John Brooks the twenty fourteen World <laughs> Cup. So and Mexico fans have everything to thank him for too because he he sent that team to the World Cup in twenty fourteen. But <laughs> LAFC hosting San Jose second time in like three weeks. LAFC wins 2-1 at home. Carlos Vela gets a 95th minute penalty to win it. You know, MLS headquarters decided, you know, we can't have San Jose taking points off LAFC. Press a button. Let's get the pen for LAFC. Let's give them the three points. Just kidding. It was probably warranted. I said it last week, but I just hate talking about LAFC, dude. Just seems like the downfall of our league. I'm thinking they're going to have a fall to grace uh, one of these seasons. Like, remember when Toronto was with Giovinco? They had those rapid teams, and they won one MLS Cup. Dude, Inches away from a CCL title, and then they just were terrible. They're making Steve Chirundolo look like he's a good coach. <laughs> I, I think he overcomplicated less... He like I think Bob Bradley when he was coach overcomplicated things a little too much and then Steve Chirundolo <laughs> just he has like one of the best rosters in MLS. I don't know how Bob Bradley fumbled the bag. He just comes so in much. and the players just don't even listen to him. They just <laughs> man's like a high school coach just goes out there and just like, "Hey, go play, guys." Yeah. LAFC 25 points, uh 12 games played, so they have a good lead at the top of the West. Uh Second most points per game in the league, actually. Cincinnati's ahead of them still, which is, you know, not all hope is lost. Cincinnati might beat them in the cup final. But we have to talk about Portland hosting Minnesota. Oh, there, there was a Portland I game? I think I just turned off the game in the 94th minute and just went straight to bed, and it was a nil-nil draw. There was a, there was a Portland game this weekend? I didn't know. Who scored? Chase, tell us. Mongo Kule Huang... Hlongwane. This was... I only caught the second half of this game. So I, I was at a, like a family function, and I came home to my my two roommates, their girlfriends, and then Jacob and his wife sitting in my living room. All the vibes were good. There was some, some canned beverages being passed around. Some pizza. Some pizza. There was some some cookies were made. So it was a, it's our day off. It was a nice it was a nice evening to watch the Timbers smack Jeez. around uh, a, a Minnesota team. I thought we were gonna dominate that. They didn't have um they didn't have what's his name? Who's the guy Robin Ludd. Robin Ludd. They Reynoso still wasn't back from injury. They just haven't looked good going forward. They don't have a true number nine right now. So I, I came home and I was all excited. I was ready to watch this. And then as the night went on, I just progressively got like more and more anxious about the result. And then it happened and like You just knew 90. it was gonna happen, didn't you? Like once it gets to a certain point for Timbers, you just have these heartbreak. And Dude, I so you know what, like lately when we watching been watching the Timbers and they've been playing well and we're not there, my girlfriend always turns to me and she goes, Why aren't we there right now? Because we go to a lot of Timbers games. So whenever they're like playing really well and they're beating teams, she goes, why aren't we there right now? Same thing happens for me. And then last night when they lost like 1-0, I didn't say it, but I was so tempted to turn to her. Like, why aren't we there right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've been pretty fortunate to not witness many of these heartbreak moments in real life. But <sighs> I've had a lot. But I've also had a lot of great moments Same here. at the, the Theater of Dreams. Good job that to Minnesota, I guess, Park. for getting... Three points on the road. That's if if my team did that and like we were missing our two best attackers, I'd be pretty stoked. So good for them. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it right now. Minnesota's gonna need those three points more than the Timbers will at the end of the season. I hope. You know, 
it sucks because last year we missed the playoffs by one point. And I remember I specifically, back what I just said. specifically last year, there was multiple <laughs> games we were winning. And we we dropped points at home. We dropped points uh, on the road in stoppage time. You know what's you know what's even worse than that? Remember, I think it was the 2016 season where we didn't win a single away game the whole year. And then we had our last game in Vancouver. All we needed was a draw, and we couldn't even pull that <laughs> to make playoffs. Yeah. After winning the MLS after, Cup before. Yeah, us and Columbus crew both missed the playoffs that year after both being in the final. First time in MLS history, actually. Um, Vancouver, for some good news for us, hosted Seattle. Vancouver, my second favorite team in the league because they were playing Seattle this week. So Vancouver beat Seattle 2-0. And Chase nailed the prediction 2-0. I got the score right. So three points for Chase, one point for me. Seattle, a rough stretch of form. Let's go, Vancouver. I hyped up Vancouver and San Jose two weeks ago on the solo podcast I did, and then they both lost right away. Vancouver, coming back, proving me right that they are the real deal. They're going to start marching up the table. Interesting here because, you know, they're, Seattle knew who was back. Uh, Christian Roldan was not back. Leo Chu was starting again. Um so they're getting some of their players back. They rested Jao Paulo. Uh, a bear was on the bench, but you know they got they a couple key guys back. Knew who and Leo Chu, but what's, what's not clicking for them right now? Well, they started the dinosaur that is Freddie Montero up top. That guy's been solid though for them. He's had a but it's per- been it's been proven this season if they want to score goals, put Leo Chu on the left and put Jordan Morris up top, and they're gonna just blow through teams for whatever reason. But every time they try and switch it up, and it's like Jordan Morris is so humble about it. He's like, I'll play wherever the team needs me. I'm not the best striker on this team. And then when he goes somewhere else, they just look like just terrible. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know why they, they shifted away from that. So maybe there's something going on. Who knows? Obviously, they underestimated the power that is the Vanny Sartini system. Probably not. I think Seattle just <laughs> playing like crap. That's true. Stephen Fry own goal in the 58th minute. So, <laughs> <laughs> have fun with that one, Isaac. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, producer Isaac's just showing me like the, the audio logs right now, and like. You see, like, all the spikes and everything, and there's just a a fat red line where you did that. (laughs) That'll kill somebody's earphones if that ends up being in there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. We got to move on to some breaking news in MLS. We have a new team coming in next year, and it is the San Diego Loyal. I mean, San Diego... To City be determined. SC. They do not have an official name. Uh, kind of a bit of a meme right now because there is a currently a USL team in San Diego that is the San Diego Loyal, and this new ownership group just said, no, we want none of that. Which is interest, double interesting to me because Landon Donovan is so involved with that team, and he's like been the face of our league. I'm surprised they didn't like work up something together and just that team buys – that ownership group buys San Diego Loyal and bumps them up. I was pretty pissed about this, honestly. San Diego Loyal is a cool brand. Their jerseys are sick. Sponsored by Rocket League, which is the only team that I'm aware of that is. They've got cool... They got a loyal fan base. At, funny enough, they got a pretty loyal fan base. And they get a decent amount of fans for a USL team. And I was pretty upset because a lot of their fans were... But then I heard, like, a similar thing happen. Like, they just kind of started this new club when there was a fumbling NISA, which is, like, another division of U.S. soccer team. And they kind of just set more up. Of like s- a, more like a regional division, not like a like a national one, like USL, right? Or no, I think it is. It, it's it like, was national. It's They've just more folded. like a third division. Yeah, but they were actually a league that was supposed to implement Pro-Rel and do all these big things and then just never happened and half the teams dissolved. Um, I feel for San Diego loyal fans, but it's kind of like they say, there's always a bigger fish and San Diego loyal kind of took over for this Nisa team, not directly, but 
they kind of took that market and now MLS is doing the same. Yeah, I, I agree. I was kind of in the same boat. I was like, why, why are we just ignoring this USL team that's in the same city? And, you know, I was also a little annoyed too, because like we said earlier, I think there's other markets that could be explored rather than just another California team. And then I started to really think about like, you know, the population that's within California and people who live in San Diego aren't going to trek all the way up to LA just to go watch their team play. So makes sense to, to plug another team in there. And then doing some research into the, the ownership group, um, don't remember the name of the fa- the family that bought into it, but it's a British Egyptian family that also owns the Right to Dream Academy, which um, is an academy that it was established in West Africa, where they pool together all the best talents, young talents. Um, they give them a place where they can go and they can learn. They go to school and then they give them a place where they can train at a high level. Um, and then they actually helped them move on to bigger clubs. I believe they bought a club in Denmark, I want to say. And that's become their place where they, they help a lot of these, you know, kids from different countries in West Africa get an education, learn about soccer, develop their skills. And then they give them a place in Europe to play. And then they, they ship them on from there. There's, uh, uh, IHAX player right now his name's Kudus and he's kind of like the star player that's come out of it recently but really highly rated and a lot of top five leagues are looking at him so looking like San Diego City SC whatever they are is going to be the next destination where they send a lot of these young upcoming African players can I get a Atletico San Diego (laughs) instead of a an FC please if you're going to stick with a cliche like Nothing name that doesn't really make any sense for your team. Give me a different one. Do least. something a little, a little bit more interesting. But no, I, I really am excited because of the ownership group that bought this. It's a group that obviously is willing to spend money as they've now bought two different clubs. Um, a group that is really invested on youth development. I think you're going to see a huge influx of young African players coming through. And then when you look at their location and their their kind of um, focus on youth development, they're right on the border, right next to Mexico. And in recent years, you've seen a lot of, you know, Mexican-American players choosing the U.S. over Mexico. So I think with a place like this where you can see a lot of kids get into an academy there, it's going to start to make more of a, you know, a little bit indent in that Mexican-American market. So it's going to be interesting seeing how this team really affects the league. I'm excited for it overall. But I don't know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting interesting next couple years watching how they develop. Yeah. Quick. Who is their starting first DP big name signing? Top of your head. Who do I think they'll, they'll sign? Uh, or have they already signed somebody? No, no, no. Uh, who, who do you want slash think they'll sign? Give me, a, give me a name. Who do I want slash think they'll sign? That I think it has to go with somebody that's going to kind of like – fit what their overall ethos as a club is so i think it's going to be somebody it's obviously not going to be a young european player oh man you know what i really want to say paul pogba paul pogba to san diego so right to dream you said west africa yeah give me pierre emmerich Aubameyang. west coast of africa gabon fits the bill that would be pretty legit not going to lie. That would be pretty sweet seeing him come through. Seeing him bang in a goal against the Colorado Rapids in their debut game at I, Snapdragon Stadium. I could also see a guy like uh, like Raul Jimenez from Wolves. Man, just hasn't been up to par in, you know, in the Premier League anymore. I could see him coming back. Yeah, I think, I don't know. It's It's fun to speculate who they'll get. However, prediction time? We are under under predictions. Are we are we late on time today? Talk about some MLS salaries. We could we could blow through some salaries real quick. Totally forgot about that. <laughs> we with the new. I don't know if it's necessarily how new it is, but the uh, MLS Player Association recently released the uh, salary guide, and uh, 
a lot of interesting salaries coming out. And Jacob and I kind of wanted to go over a few undervalued, overvalued players. Kind of goes hand in hand with this new San Diego team coming up. Um, they have a little over like a year now um, to kind of develop the roster. So I think they might look at some of these undervalued assets in the league and maybe learn from the overvalued guys. Yeah, we've seen a couple of newer teams do like St. Louis to see had a next pro team who started before their MLS team. So they had a ton of their players, especially the foreign players, move to St. Louis, get some minutes with the, the next pro team, get comfortable with the city. And it was really smart. And, you know, they've been a solid expansion team. They also had Bradley Carnell be the assistant coach for those games. And, you know, kind of, yeah, yeah. I think he assists, he assisted whoever their current coach is now. So he didn't just go in and kind of take over. He just was the assistant coach and helped out with those games. Really, really smart move by them because, yeah, it's it's kind of weird if you're in that in-between time where you don't necessarily have, like, a season. Like, New York City FC, I remember, sent David Villa on loan to Melbourne City in the A-League, and he, like, played, like, five games for them. So I've seen some other teams send players on. I think Atlanta United did the same thing. They'd send their players to, like, the Mexican League or something. But... Let's uh let's take a take a gander at some of these valued players here. So with this report it shows you every player in the league and their their annual salary. Um and Jacob and I kind of went through and we found a few guys that we thought definitely should be getting paid more and definitely there's a handful of teams that could be looking at them. And the first guy that I I ended up kind of catching my Ooh. eye was Jackson Reagan from the Seattle Sounders is Ooh. currently only making $85,000 a year as a starting center back for a top tier club in the league. That is shocking. Yeah. Jokes aside, uh, that's a, that's a bargain for Seattle. And a lot of players speak highly of their time in Seattle. Always, you know, it's a well-run club. I, they, they have a lot of fans and I'm sure Jackson Reagan will sign a new contract at some point and stay around there unless he, Moves over to Europe, so good pick. I mean, for comparison, how much was Luis Mabiala making? He went down, I believe, but he's at 400K now. So he's making four times as much money and is probably four times worse the player than Jackson Reagan. And I think you can you can see the value in the Super Draft. A lot of people are saying the MLS Super Draft should be like dismissed or whatever, but we've seen a lot of players come from that and still contribute you know obviously more don't come from that but seattle seattle gets him and from from college and this guy was selected by chicago seattle signed him he played on tacoma for a couple years and then he comes over reminds me of zach mcgraw from portland drafted out of army and then kind of learns the ropes for a year or two and then begins to start and put in some big performances i agree Speaking of the Timbers, our next most undervalued player is Juan David Mosquera. He is our starting right back, and he's currently only making $184,000 a year. Which, when you look at his output and you look at how he plays, guy is, I think, up there with like probably one of the best right backs in the league right now. And I don't think you'll see that coverage from, you know, kind of the mainstream like MLS media, but I think a lot of true fans who watch the league would agree. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't I, last game aside, cause he couldn't cross the ball to save his life. His attacking is just crazy. He is so easily dri- able to dribble around players. Usually is pretty effective in the attack. And I feel like when I watch, um, uh, these games, a lot of them do highlight that Mascara, he probably won't be in the league very long because he's got such high upside. He's already been capped for Colombia, goes to camp with them now when there's national team duty. Uh, really, like, smart scouting and signing by Timbers FO on that one. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're spot on. When you look at, like, his stats per 90, he's in, like, the top 5%, top 10% for a lot of like crucial stats for a fullback, like progressive carries, uh, successful take-ons, um, progressive passes. He's he's up there. He's just 
absolutely just dominant down that right wing. But moving on to our next guy, a little bit, you know, quite a bit higher actually in his wage, but still I think undervalued is Jose Cifuentes from LAFC. Yeah, he's a, you know, big part of this team last couple of years. A lot of people thought he was going to jump ship and, you know, go to Europe, but he stuck around. And I mean, that guy's been so good. You can see you can see him with Ecuador when he plays on national duty. And when you look in comparison to some of the other midfielders in MLS, I feel like midfielders a position usually a lot of clubs cash out on. Like this guy is money compared to some of the other signings. I don't know if I said did I say how much he makes? He only makes four hundred and sixty eight thousand a year, which is nuts when I, I pulled up his stats right here, and uh, I'm going to just kind of run through them really quick. But when you look at um, expected goals, he's in the top 6% for his position. For shots, he's top 10%. Assists, top 12%. Assists, uh, or expected assists, he's top, top 5 Shot creating actions, top 9%. Progressive passes, carries, take-ons, all within the top 2%. So he's just without a doubt, one of the best midfielders in the league and not really valued at it with, with his price point. Guy could easily be a DP for a majority of the teams in the league. Interesting, too. He's actually started seven games and then come in as a sub as the other four. And yeah, it's like you said, I can see him being a DP for another club. I don't know if they're like kind of holding out on him because it was like heavily rumored he was going to leave and go to, to Europe, but... You know who I could see? I think he was rumored with him, but I could see him going to Brighton and uh, just replacing Moises Caicedo and being like an absolute just baller in their midfield. Weston McKinney linked with them as well. Let's do some a little bit of end. some overvalued players. And I'm going to start, I'm going to go lowest to high here. And first guy up, Josie Altador. Oh, Josie Altador, man. I feel bad for this guy, and for whatever reason, he took the brunt of that 2017 non-qualification for the World Cup. Uh, I like the guy. I mean, he's clearly not the player he was. He's got a late-game subbing-in role for the Revs now. But, man... Yeah. Three, two point two million to start, and I think with bonuses or if he hits numbers, it'll go up to like three. Yeah, that is not worth it for a substitute twenty minute a game striker. Yeah, kind of ridiculous. I don't know how many goals he scored this season, but it'll be fun to look at the end of the season and see how much they paid per goal for this striker because that is a nuts amount of money. But not too much to say other than that because I mean I have a lot of respect for Josie Altidore as a player. He did a lot in his career. Um, similar to our next guy, we have Douglas Costa making three million a year. I think this is like the face of just terrible roster and contract decisions. Cause I think when this guy signed, everybody was like, Oh, like this guy's way past it. And the galaxy fans were like, well, you know, I kind of viewed it in like a similar way to the bail thing where they both seem kind of checked out as players. Whereas Bale ended up contributing in like a big moment, whereas Costa <laughs> just takes away from the team in big moments, gets red cards, and it seems like LA Galaxy has been doing their scouting on like FIFA 16. Like <laughs> they're just <laughs> they're just looking at like Douglas Costa, the Martin Costarus, <laughs> the Douglas Costa Juventus link. <laughs> it's just been like so terrible for them, dude. I don't know what their thought process was. I think everybody knew. It was going to be a terrible transfer. You might see some sparks from him. That would be fun. Kind of similar to like how Aspria used to be for the Timbers. Like guy that could just pop off with some skill moves, but then no end product. And where you've seen Douglas Costa is just has no interest. Like Aspria kind of revolutionized his game, and but he's also a lot younger. So I don't know. Just terrible signing overall. As an MLS sicko, I love to see. Douglas Costa, who's won titles at Bayern and Juventus and <laughs> played at the World Cup for Brazil, being compared to a pre-outbreak like dire on Mr. October right there, man. That's Moving what... on, 
our final overvalued player is the highest paid player in MLS currently. And that is Lorenzo Insigne at $7.5 million a year. Ridiculous money for a player who is just kind of, I think he's past it. I don't think he's nearly the player he used to be not interested. And he's just super short. <laughs> See, a lot of people said this was like Giovinco 2.0. I don't think he's passive or disinterested. I think Toronto FC is just such a mess that it just they're making they're just making all these players like I think he's been good, honestly. He's had some really good moments. He's had some good goals, some good dribbles. Not worth seven point five million for <laughs> sure. But who's talking about progressive carries now, huh? No, I'm saying he's he has <laughs> contributed, but it's just Toronto FC is a shambles organization right now. Their defense has been terrible. Their midfield gets overrun. Insignia hasn't been great. He's been injured too, but not worth the money. He's got one goal so far this season. He has missed a lot of games though, right? Yeah, he's missed a handful of games. Oh, man. Just a terrible hey i will forever thank this man for contributing to that italy team who beat england in the euros at wembley in 2021 i'll give him that i mean last year he was he was at about you know a goal every other game or so for in his 11 games that he played but i don't know for a toronto team that's performing so poorly you would expect to see a dp like this just really turn up and and kind of take the team and just bring them to a new level, similar like Benteke is doing with DC right now. Guys, absolutely just putting them on his back. But I think uh, Insigne is a little too small to carry the weight of a team. Beat England in the Euros. <laughs> Thank you, Lorenzo Insigne. Take that, Ryan. <laughs> um, wrapping it up here, we're going to do some match predictions. I I haven't even looked at what games we're going to I had the predict. favor of selecting three games for us, Chase. Oh, boy. And first right. game, we got another rivalry game. Orlando City hosting Atlanta United. I think this has been a spicy kind of natural rivalry since Atlanta's been in the league. And I'm going to go with a 2-1 Orlando City victory at home. Oh, man. And I think this is the job that I th- I can see Atlanta, like, making, like, Gonzalo Pinedo out if, like, he loses to Orlando because Atlanta hates Orlando. I'm going to disagree here, actually. I'm going to go with an Atlanta 2-1 because I think Giamakis came back recently, not full, you know, but he came back, he he got about 20 minutes, and he looked up for it. And he kind of brings the level of the team up. And if you give these guys a, a free kick anywhere in your half, Tiago Amada is going to just make you pay for it. These teams need to start putting guys in the, like, five guys on the line, like, in pro Dude, like, clubs. Yeah, literally. FIFA. You just need to put everybody on the goal line and just dare him to shoot at you. I see your Georgie Jumakis, and I raise you a Duncan McGuire. <laughs> Special from the the striker for Orlando. So, Duncan McGuire, one of the best draft picks so far this year. Dude, I don't know what goes on with these Orlando City teams dra- drafting strikers. Kyle Laren, a couple years later, Daryl DK. Daryl DK, now this guy. They're they obviously you know value in the draft, man. They got their eyes on the on the college game. They know what's going on. Montreal. Hosting Inter-Miami. I'm electing for a 1-0 Montreal win. Big return for Kamal Miller after being gone for like a week and a half. <laughs> Didn't expect it that quickly. Bryce Duke, Ariel Lassiter playing against their old team as well. Oh, man. Usually I, I come up with my predictions before we do this podcast, but I did not do that this time. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Montreal in Miami. My heart wants to say Montreal because I picked them to, to end up high this year. And, they, you know, they've been on a good run of form. But something about this just screams like a Miami just edge it out with like a Joseph Martinez, like skip and hop weird penalty thing he does. So I'm going to go with a Miami 1-0. 
Bold from Chase. Last prediction game for us, New York City FC hosting Philadelphia. And I'm going 3-1 Philly. Philly's look good lately. New York City FC has not. I won't overcomplicate it in that. I think Philly... And these are two teams who don't really like each other at all. There is that. There's a history there of meeting in the playoffs. I think Philly wins big on the road. I'm going to agree with you this time. I think Philadelphia is going to pull out a 2-0 win. I think they're going to just blow through this NYC team. Uh, I don't know. Philadelphia is just that all they have to focus on is the league now. And I think they're just going to start to dominate teams. Just to lose in the biggest game just of the season. Just to lose in the biggest game of the season against the Portland Timbers. Calling it right here. You're going to see Portland Timbers and the Philadelphia Union MLS Cup 2023 and a Yaroslav to hat trick to seal the deal. False. It's going to be a freaking Frank Boley assist to Nathan Fogasa. Bicycle kick to win it. Or we just won't make the playoffs by one point because we can <laughs> hold on for a draw at home. No, we do it every other year. So we're going to make the playoffs this year. Every third year, actually. So we're going to... 2015, no. 2018, 2021. Well, we go... We miss the playoffs, then we'll make it the next year, then we make the cup the year after that. So we're going to make the playoffs this year, but we're going to lose to like Dallas or like Minnesota or some random... I can see us losing out to San Jose. Don't you dare. In a three leg weird game. That's right. That we're gonna be we're gonna have one home game where we will play decent and then lose in the third third game. <sighs> Anyways, we're that, just getting into the weeds now. Um <laughs> This is our first last week was our first one together, but we were very crunched on time. Me and Chase haven't had some good time to just spitball some MLS takes between <laughs> the two of us. Just spitballing some MLS back and forth, dude. That's right. Nothing. It's one of the highlights of my week. It'll be. I I enjoy doing this. It's going to be interesting in a couple weeks when we are in Seattle with six other men who aren't <laughs> as invested in MLS as we are. We got eight dudes in one Airbnb rental. Big ups for the the rivalry game, and we're going to do a live podcast it'll sound exactly the same for you guys <laughs> but for us it's a big deal <laughs> we should make them all sit down like on a couch like an audience and just like set up a little stage and sit out there and like speak to them we can take questions from the crowd none of them know that much to do we could take there's actually we that's got, not true we got a few guys that could give us some good some good questions some good mls questions we should have a spare mic we hand out to the crowd. <laughs> I kind of like that. We get we actually we got a really good range of soccer like IQs. We well, got we could, some guys who are pretty invested in soccer. We've got we got one guy who he's a faithful man. This is every year we do this triple right, and me and this one guy have been almost going a decade. We're the only two who are hundred percent, and this is like our World Cup final or Super Bowl, whatever is bigger for you, and. This is like the game of his year every year, and he gets so into it and then doesn't watch a lick of soccer till the next year. Oh, man. I have a story to tell you about him later after we end this podcast, actually. So uh, that's going to wrap it up. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Episode 15. Send us an email at mlsnetboys at gmail.com. <laughs> One of these years, we'll have an Instagram page that you can actually follow us on or Twitter. And not yet. If anybody wants to email us a question, comment, concern, idea. Hate mail. Hate mail. I would actually gladly read some hate mail. Um, Let us know. Thank you guys all for listening. See you next week. Keegan Hughes, come on the show.